It's defined by Webster's Dictionary as to improve by making fine adjustments. Well, no words can be more accurate when it comes to describing our guest for this next episode. Sound man extraordinaire and road manager for a major country act. Come listen in as Chris and Cole Mountain Cow go beyond soundboards and monitors with the one and only Mark Tweak Evans, if that's his real name. Broadcasting from high top, world famous Doc Hawkins building in downtown Cole Mountain, USA. This is Cole Mountain Cal and my brother Chris Cheatham for another stellar episode of The Crossing. Chris? Cole Mountain Cal, we feel spring in the air. It's 52 degrees right now on top of this building, so it, it feels a little colder than that, but what a beautiful day we've had. Spring, like I said, is in the air and the warm weather is coming, and we're going to start having tailgates here on top of the Doc Hawkins building. Actually, it feels a little warmer than 52 with the glow of that LED billboard here right across from us. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. There may be some, uh, I don't know, that may not be safe the radioactive waves coming off of a thing like that. that needs, we need to get somebody out here to test it for like radon. Yeah, or something like that. Neon, neon radon, radon, neon, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, so come check out my band this weekend, the uh, Neon Dion <laughs> Radon. Neon band. Dion and the Radons? Yeah, we'll be at Hiawassee. <laughs> Folks, we are tickled to death to be with you again. And Chris, we've had a lot of uh, positive response to the last couple of shows we've done, so... I think we've really topped ourselves with this one. This is an impromptu uh, podcast, an interview that we decided to do. We're getting ready to interview this young man that we've known for 15 years, maybe. Long we've time. known Tweak. Um, I have no idea what Tweak's real name is. Parts unknown, like the wrestler. Maybe we can get into that later. But uh, Brother Tweak is well known uh, in the music industry at least as far as calvin and i are concerned is one of the uh, the best sound guys around and uh, he's got history with the Lanierland music park and uh and um confederate railroad and okay okay don't be giving all this stuff away we're gonna get to that okay so okay <laughs> i was gonna say mystery guest but since you've done and spoiled all that i'll just say tweak state your name please tweak <laughs> He's correct. Yeah. I'd like to see the birth certificate, but I'm sure that's probably what it says. You want to know anything else? Yes, Yes. we would. A lot. (laughs) We will cover it all. Like what? Where are you from? Where are you from, Tweet? Besides parts unknown. I'm from around. um, Grew up in Sandy Springs. Were you really? I was thinking you were born in it. Well, I was born in Boston. Then my dad got a transfer, and I grew up from age nine till... Whenever I flew the coop. And, uh, Sandy Springs. Sandy Springs. Moved up to Forsyth County in 91. What brought you to uh, Forsyth County? My wife. She had family in the area. So, there you go. No, yeah, All right, folks. Know. Appreciate y'all joining us tonight. <laughs> <laughs> what, so else what, what, what else do you want to know? Yeah. Cur- Cur- Curly resided at Ingram's funeral home. Yeah, I told... Uh, <laughs> I called Tweet today to see if he wanted to come in and do this thing, and I said, well, I hadn't talked to him in a long time. I said, well, I get the Ingram's obituary report on my email every day, and you, you haven't been on it, so I thought I'd call you. Appreciate that. <laughs> so as a young boy growing up in Sandy Springs, what was it like? Standard Americanized? Standard American, get up, get on the bus, go to school, flunk a lot of courses. Elementary school, you went to? Went to High Point Elementary. Started playing music in fourth grade. What kind of music did you play? Would you play instrument? What yeah, I played trombone. My dad was a big. Everybody in my family's musical, and uh, my dad had this vision that I'd be the next Tommy Dorsey, who was a famous jazz mm-hmm. trombonist, and that was his big dream for me. But it didn't work out quite. Like okay. That. Chris, you got to ask a question, even though it's not guitar, but you can ask your standardized question to all of our guests. What was the first song you learned how to play on the trombone? I really can't remember. I mean, because I was growing up, you know, I was growing up classically trained. So I'm reading a lot of notes and a lot of playing a lot of scales and 
you know, taking lessons from Atlanta Symphony uh, players and, you know, it, I, I don't, I, I really can't even remember. I mean, because I was so inundated by trombone. I would have never, <clears throat> ever thought that. Do you still play it? Uh, no, I don't. I gave do you, it up. Do you still have it? No, I don't. I actually pawned it. <laughs> Times get bad. You gotta get rid of your. Well, you gotta do something. So you picked up. You picked up the guitar. Yeah, I picked up bass guitar. I don't high know. school. No, it was in. It was just a, a kind of just a gradual migration out of one thing. To, I didn't want to stop making notes, but I don't play it. I don't play with anybody. I don't. Never played in a band or any of that stuff. It's more for my own head than just to make music yeah just to make music i've got an acoustic bass in the uh living room that i sometimes i'm just sitting on the couch and i hear a tune or something i'll just pick it up and play along with it just for the fun of it so you took lessons but they never was like a school band or were you in that or oh no i i I actually played in the high school band from seventh grade through high school and then uh, a couple my junior year in high school I got selected one out of six uh, in the nation to go to a music camp that was put on by North Carolina School of the Arts that year, and then I went back to it the the next year and um, moved up the ladder. I went from there's two, there was a there's three orchestras, all the instructors, which were obviously doctors and whatnot of music had their orchestra then there was one student orchestra the the newer kids then there was the better kids or the the the, the second year people in the uh orchestra so i just kind of moved along with that one out of six i'm pretty impressed well, one yeah, of six it was, it was one of those audition kind of things and, and did you go you know, to uh high school what would that be north springs ridgeview ridgeview where it was north springs Mm-hmm. Were they there then? Yeah, my sister went to North Springs. And so no band or anything like that with the bass? Uh, uh, high no. school band? No. And the, the thing, trombone? And, no. And then, you know, I started messing around with knobs and dials and mixing sound and playing. I was always, as a kid, you know, adjusting the TV set or the radio or the record player as it was back then. And I was just kind of monkeying around with that. And really, I you know I was never asked to be the student conductor as a student musician. There's three trombones in the band, orchestra. There's a million violin players. There's a million saxophone players, and obviously I'm playing trombone. And I couldn't wave the baton like I really would have liked to have done. You would look good in one of those. I know. Little yeah. fuzzy hats. The little yeah, 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 yeah. Bouncing I, around. I was really you know wanted that. Now was there any? What was like the music scene like in Sandy Springs back in those days? Or was uh, did you have to go a little further than outward than Sandy Springs? I mean, again, music scene back then is so totally different than it is today. Um, I think the first concert I ever went to, concert concert, was Chicago Transit Authority at Lake Spivey. And, um, of course, that was a horn band. And, it, you know, as a horn player, I wanted to play in bands like that, of Blood, Sweat, and Tears, of Chicago, uh, bands of that nature. But at that, you know, 19, I'm not going to tell you how old I am. Yeah, don't do 19-something. Um, <laughs> you know, th- those bands were becoming less popular, and the Led Zeppelins and the electric bands were becoming more popular. So there really wasn't a lot of that going on, and I was tired of playing classical music. You were so, looking for an, another well, avenue. Well, yeah, and then, you know, people today, being a, a sound guy, an audio engineer, because of all my classical training and got knowledge of theory and composition and how different forms of music are all different, country's different than rock, and rock's different than... R&B and everything has its own elements. Uh, I apply that when I'm mixing sound. Uh, when I work with you guys and your band, 
I don't really don't know what y'all are, but you know, I make we the, don't even. Okay. Don't, make, don't, don't feel the, like the long. I make the best of it. You know, <laughs> Tweet knows which channel I'm in. Yeah, and, and I turn it off. way down. Yeah. Well, because you, you you play too loud. <laughs> so, you Do you remember? So, who did you start? How did you get into the sound? I, arena of things. Who'd yeah, you start? I mean, did you go and start doing sound for a band no, and buy some equipment? I, I, no, I was working with a guy. I was working in retail um, at an art supply store. Uh, my dad was an artist, a graphic designer, and whatnot. That's what he did for a living. And he got me a job at an uh, art supply store in town. And one of the salesmen was a bass player and had a rock band. And we got to be friends, and he had a little PA system. And then one step at a time, he wanted to build a bigger PA, and the band was playing college things and frat parties. And one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. Over a period of time, he married up with an existing sound company here in Atlanta and partnered up, which was a larger touring company. So, you know, I just kind of... Baby steps. Baby steps and went, you know, street knowledge, school of hard knocks and applying what I knew about music as a trained musician. At what point did you say, this is what I'm going to do? I never really said, I really never said that. You know, people ask me how I got into it. My stock answer is stupidity. (laughs) (laughs) Should have stayed in school. You know, should have finished math. For the money, for the fame. I've got the (laughs) t-shirt. Mostly for the money. No, I got the (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah. Folks, we're just uh, we're just getting started here. We're going to take a quick break. Let you hear a word from our beloved sponsors that are just jumping on the bandwagon left and right. If you like some sponsorship to add to that, you can contact us through the Twitter, Facebook. What else are we on? Well, they shut down our one eight hundred number. Yeah, Creative Loafing. We're yeah. on the back page of Creative Loafing. <laughs> yeah. But we'll be right back with the Tweak episode. We're going to learn all about sound and the road when we come back. You listen to the crossing where the music meets the memories. There's no gas wars in coming. We've got the best prices in town at $49.9 a gallon at Martyr Oil. Two locations to serve you. Martyr Oil number one, Highway 19306. On the south side of Martyr Oil number two, Highway 19 and 141. You probably haven't checked the propane tank lately. It's when the pilot light goes out that you finally notice, right? And now you're in a bind. Who do you call? Mills Fuel Service right now. Mills Fuel has provided North Georgia with fast, courteous service and clean propane for over 50 years. So don't let the tank hit rock bottom. Call Mills today, 706-265-3394. Three locations to serve you coming Dawsonville and Dahlonega online at millsfuelservice.com. Sun's out, plow's out, folks. Time to get your gardens planted. And when you need your planting supplies, T.R. Thomas Mill in Coal Mountain is the place you need to go. Come in and get your seeds for your corn, peas, turnips, and beans. We got half runners and full runners. Don't forget, you gotta have some Buana for fertilizer. T.R. Thomas Mill. Hey, we're in Coal Mountain, Spot Road, USA, across from Jan's Jeans. Welcome back, folks, to the crossing high atop the Doc Hawkeye building in downtown Coal Mountain, Georgia. We do have Coal Mountain Cow sitting here with me. I am Chris, and our friend Tweak has joined us for the Tweak Show tonight. I called him today, and uh, he was at Lowe's. This is how uh, popular we are. I told him, I said, Tweak, I got an issue. He said, What? I said, I need you to come do a podcast with me. I'll be there. What time? Just he just drops right. everything. He drops his painting he's got scheduled, yeah. all of his house remodeling. He said, I'll be there. If you need me, I am there. He had all this horticulture in there. It didn't go ready. quite like that. <laughs> he probably looked at his phone. And he goes, oh, my, oh my God. gosh. He's wanting me to do a wedding. Yeah, I know. Another wedding. <laughs> I told him, I said, it's like that old song, nobody calls from Vegas just to say hello. I prefer doing funerals. They're quieter. <laughs> They don't complain as much either, do. It's never too loud. It usually doesn't rain at funerals. You know, typically, you know, it rains. We'll get back to that. So we're back. (laughs) We've covered the early life of, quotation mark, tweak. Right. 
migrating up from Sandy Springs. He's been in the music, he's got into the music bug with sound. He's running some stuff, meeting a couple groups, working with them. And just, you can take it from there. You started working, what was your first biggest gig you booked in with sound? Did you, did you end up? Know. Did you end up working for a sound company? Yeah, you yeah, said yeah, your yeah. boss. Yeah, I worked up. for. Yeah, the, the the guy I worked with, he joined up with a guy that you know is pretty well known. He uh, a lot of experience, a lot of technical angles. He worked for WSB TV as an engineer there. He was a ham radio operator. I mean, he you know just a world of knowledge. Uh, in a way, became a mentor to me because I learned so much. You know, there weren't schools to go to to learn what polarity is and these technical things that us people have to deal with. Uh, you know, from the proper way to wrap a cable to loading a truck to pointing your speakers in the right direction to make it so everybody could could hear. Uh, so I started working for him, and he asked me about, you know, big, bigger name people. And I think Calvin said something about Lanierland uh, Music. Yeah, that's Park. what I wanted to get to when you started working up there. Well, with the, that, that, that was an account that we that the Red had, and me working for him started working up there. And as you guys know, the the type of artist because y'all worked up there too. Uh, you know, everybody from Jerry Reed to Reba when she first started out to I fell asleep uh, uh, mixing one art artist. I forget who Don it was. Williams, I bet. No, it wasn't Don Williams. It was um, Billy Ray Cyrus. It escapes him, right? No, it escapes me, but <laughs> it was funny. I was mixing and I was bored and I fell asleep. Um, anyway, but people like that's where I really started to experience working with known artists. And uh, uh, it that kind of opened my eyes a little bit. But then we did a lot of other things, too. Aside from that, we had a lot of R&B acts that were accounts of ours. Uh, Isley Brothers, Cool and the Gang. Uh, I think we even did Jackson 5 at some point. You know, back in the way this is, again, I'm dating myself, but, um, you know, so it's, it kind of started there. Now, Lanierland, was that a particularly hard venue to mix with the open on both sides and you got the tin roof on top of it? Those shed acts, I guess. When that, no, the hardest part of it. Uh, was uh, Mama sitting in the front row? Mama Lois, too loud. Mama Lois. She didn't like it loud. No, did she, she didn't like it loud. No, and and that was the biggest obstacle. You know, the audience is all about it. You're doing Alabama. You're doing, you know, a band with some energy. If you could call country music back then, a lot of energy. Yeah, it's not like today's country by any stretch. But you know, that was the biggest challenge: is pleasing the owners. More than more than the audience, or even better than that, the owner's mother-in-law. You got fed well, though. You made I don't oh, know how much of money there, it was, oh, but you food, had oh the food up there was 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 nationally known. Oh, we talk about that. Everybody, uh, any guests we have that's ever played there before that, that's what they mention. Oh yeah, food. and we used to have to do two shows back in the day, seven and ten. And there's like Ray Stevens came on and he just ate and ate and ate and ate for the first show and he's just belching and <laughs> apologizing to the guy. Jerry Reed did the same thing. He's like, excuse me. And he turns away from the microphone and burps. He goes, man, this food, I'm going to have me another piece of pie on the break between shows. <laughs> Son. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, that, that was worth going there and not even getting paid just to, just to eat. Did uh, you ever work the... Uh did you work at the Kenny Rogers show when he did like a midnight show? Where they did like three shows one night. I don't think I was at that one. I heard about it. Long night. What? If as much grief and aggravation as me and Chris have called you caused you over the years, we didn't even know you were back there at the time. If that would have been so awesome. Yeah, we, we were, were up in the uh, crow's nest, yeah, running spotlights the, the whole time, pointing pointing spotlights around. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. And a couple of times, uh, I got asked to put on the uh, the scaffold above the before they came out with the 
robotic, I guess, mm-hmm. spots that were mm-hmm. on the, you know, the trusses on the top. Mm-hmm. They had us sitting in seats, looking down on Reba's band. I remember looking down on her band at that spotlights, and they're just pointing down on them. Yeah, that warm, was the first band. It was warm too. up there too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Very Man loses fifteen pounds of sweating up there when he's in yeah, the he truss lights. No, he would. Yeah. Now, Tweet, did you mostly run back of the house? Oh, yeah, I did monitors mostly okay. for, for the bands. Is that your wheelhouse? Is that what you like to do the best to monitor part of it? I do. I mean, whatever today, the money pays. I, I, I do whatever. I mean, I I guess cut my teeth doing monitors because uh, Red was real particular about who was doing front of house, even though I might have a good set of ears and can mix. There's a lot of attitude and personality because lots of times certain people in certain positions in this industry think they're the show can't go on without them. It's all about them and it, as opposed to a team effort. And, Witnessed a lot of attitude up there yeah, yeah. doing just, set changes and stuff for different yeah, folks and production crews. And, it is. Would you call that lead singer disease? No, that's lead singer syndrome <laughs> you're talking about. And LSD. It, it, apply, it, it applied to, to front of house engineers as front of house syndrome. <laughs> uh, and it really did because if uh, you went out there and you had that holier than thou attitude about your job, thinking you're, you know, the next piece of sliced white bread, uh, you know, there's other pieces in there. Always the somebody better than you out there, isn't there? Yeah, so they think. But. <laughs> Now you were to Lanierland, I guess whenever they when they first started open. I mean, no, I didn't do the tent. Okay, I didn't. It was always the the shed. Okay, I, I got in there probably early, what early eighties maybe eighties mid eighties. That was a heyday. That was the heyday oh, back yeah. in the day. Probably yeah. when they were really yeah. Pop, That's when the country out. music was kind of simmering. That pop right pop country was simmering, and then. Uh, right. But Lanier Land was not your only client. Y'all had a bunch of different yeah, clients. Yeah, there's some of these R&B acts and just different things in different places. You always like that because it's close to home, though. Yeah, Lanier Land was close to home. <laughs> At the time. At the time. So, over the years, you've worn a lot of different hats in the sound and music industry. I've got to know how you became the road manager for Confederate Railroad. Stupidity. When did that... <laughs> When stupidity did that seems to be raining. <laughs> yeah, stupidity. How did you meet up with those guys, and how did that take place? Uh, well, you know, I was, you know, this guy I've been talking about, Red. Right. You know, the industry was changing as technology changed, and new players in the industry were entering into it and presenting themselves, trying to get in and working the price points differently to where cutting prices and it didn't, wasn't worth us worth it for us to really compete anymore and you know keep buying new stuff to keep up with them because they have the new thing and you got to get the new thing it's a never-ending uh, battle in this, cycle. it is in this industry it, it, it happens today uh, uh, we like i said he was a broadcast engineer for wsb tv and as satellite dishes came into their own at home TV, you know, as opposed to cable and whatnot, that became a thing. And then commercially, uh, before the internet and whatnot, for businesses to do group meetings, you had to have a satellite dish receiving a signal from a studio, you know, with the panel or the host presenting the meeting. We bring in video projectors, set it up, set up some speakers, broadcast that <clears throat> to uh, you know, whoever the client was at the time for that day. Uh, and then we also had to do interactive telephone communications to so people in Atlanta could talk to the panel in Chicago or wherever it was. So we had to kind of monkey around with that. Uh, so your history of music wasn't always the sexy side of music? Uh, no, and this didn't even apply to music. It was just a different sidestep of what we did. And um, I did. I, I I was responsible for WrestleMania one, working for the network, uh, doing site surveys for every pay per view site 
that was going on. It was like 400 and some odd sites. And I had to make a phone call to every single site. If it was a National Guard armory somewhere, or a high school gym, or a Phillips Arena, or whatever it was, I had to talk. Hey, this to is Tweak. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> tell me tell me what you got, and I'll tell you what you need. We're bringing in WrestleMania. Okay, I mentioned Danny Shirley and Trashy Women. And but anyway, went to C-SPAN and no, no, WrestleMania. Well, the, the whole thing is, it's a lead-in. Yeah, okay, I, it's I a lead-in. I got a phone call. Yeah. That's what I was doing. I wasn't okay. doing music. I got a phone call from a, a guy at Miss Kitty's who was the house sound guy. Gotcha. Danny Shirley was the, one of the house bands at the time there in rotation along with Travis Tritt, mm-hmm. uh, Lone Star, uh, Little Texas. There's a bunch of bands that weren't who they are today or became he goes uh, i want you to meet this band they're getting ready to get a sound, uh, record deal they might need a good sound man now they were not confederate railroad at no, the time. no it was danny they? shirley and the crossroads band okay and they just signed the deal it was whatnot and i went and met him and it was hey how you doing hey how you doing it was friendly but whatever <laughs> another musician you yeah know, he's, looking, he's looking at me like another sound guy you know whoopty do <laughs> it was all cordial and whatnot uh, a couple weeks later, he calls me back and goes, what are you doing tonight? Uh, the sound guy does. And I goes, watching TV. WrestleMania. <laughs> I got George yeah, WrestleMania. I got to call the guy. And, uh, yeah. And he goes, well, you know that band you met? And I went, yeah. He goes, well, I've got to run the club. They've got to have a sound guy. Can you come in here and mix sound? And I went, man. He goes, I'll pay you. And I might even buy you a beer. I'll be right there. <laughs> See, he'll drop it. He drops everything just for that. Just right. So like pay him in beer. He's here. That's right. I was. Well, okay. So and, and, then, and then he's like, Danny looks up off stage, and because I just do what I do, and he was impressed because I did some things that the other guy didn't do. Whatever. He was. He liked what I did, and we met, kind of re-met each other. And next thing I knew, hey man, can you go with us to Dallas, Texas, to do a radio show? You know, it was the first album was coming out and whatnot. I'm like, well, okay. They're on the promo tour. Yeah, doing that. And then, like, close to 20 years later, I retired from him. So you were, did you do sound and the road managing I gig did. at the same? You were yeah, both. All that. I was the road manager. I was the sound guy. I was the media and publicity guy. I was the endorsement guy. I was the nose wiper psychiatrist psychiatrist babysitter i did all of those things so were were y'all based out of nashville at the time or out of it was out of originally basically kennesaw danny was living in kennesaw okay drummer was living in uh, chattanooga area so where would bus call be at Actually, I think it was at Miss Kitty's. Really? That's where y'all went? In the meet. first day, so we could park our cars there and get on the bus. But then Danny moved back up to the Chattanooga area, and we parked our bus in Ringgold, Georgia, on a farm, private farm, and we just come and go out of there. So let's put on our road manager hat, and let's say it's Thursday night, and we're going to leave, and we're going to go on a three-night run to starting in Dallas. So take me through from bus call to the end of the first show what all you would be doing that day starting with. Well, you know, Dallas is about a 14-hour ride, something like that. So you schedule yourself accordingly. You do a bus call plus another hour into that because you've got to figure fuel and... Latecomers. No, there was none of that. you get left. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have to drive the bus sometimes, too? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I, I would, I have, you know, if the bus driver had to go TT or something like that. <laughs> hold, hold the wheel. I'd, I'd hold, for, hold the wheel for never how many miles it took him to do that. But, uh, no, I didn't drive the bus. So you pull out of Kennesaw. Everybody got there on time. You didn't leave anybody this time. And you roll into to. the, you roll, you, you wanted to get left probably. I wanted to leave the keyboard. But no, no. <laughs> So you roll into the venue probably, I guess, the next morning well, or my shortly just, after. Well, I, no, you go to the hotel first uh, is what we would do. Get our rooms. Now, are you, you know, doing the, all the room assignments uh, and all yeah. that stuff? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd do all that. Um, 
typically the way I blueprinted my day on a typical day, typical day, you know, you're playing a club or you're playing something you're playing at night, I'd load in at two in the afternoon. Uh, in the early, early, early days, we did sound checks, but then I outlawed those because they weren't doing them any good and they were certainly upsetting me. So I just told them, if you don't want to see me upset, just stay at the hotel. I'll have it ready. Yeah, you just walk on stage and you play, take what I give you, and shut up. And then you can tweak it as you go along. No. No, he was ready. <laughs> he was ready. You got yeah. what you were getting with him when it, yeah, when it kicked they, in. Yeah, it just goes. You know, it's, uh, I, you know I, I, don't, I don't mess around with that. I don't waste a lot of so time. So I guess through the day, then you're dealing with production folks, promoters. Yeah, you got your local sound guys, and, you know, you got to get your stuff in and set it up. I had to set up drums. I don't know why I did that, but I did. I was kind of the drum tech, too. Um, so, yeah, you eat around five or six, and then you play the show at whatever time that is. You do a meet and greet the band. You know, a meet and greet for anybody who doesn't know is when the band goes and shakes hands and kisses babies and signs things and whatnot. <laughs> uh, hopefully, you sell a lot of that whatnot part. That whatnot part really interests me. <laughs> Stuff they're signing now is this during the <laughs> is this during the, the when when Confederate Railroad really popped? Like, I mean, the trashy or not the trashy women, the countryside women. When that came out, and you don't want to talk about trashy women. Well, I do. we can. I do. We can. <laughs> it was quite popular at the time. <laughs> was that when, when you were when you were handling all those roles? Whenever the band really hit, yep. Because they had what three, there was three one, to five there, years where they were. Yeah, there was at one point we had a guy that came on when we had two buses and a trailer and all this stuff. There was a guy that came on that became, quote, the tour manager. And basically, he dealt with the band. And you just deal with those guys. I'll deal with everything else. And you appreciated that? Well, then he tried to get into my business, and then that didn't work out so well. And um, we had a few discussions from time (laughs) to time, but uh, typically I would win out on, on that. So what time normally you usually loading out after a show like that? Well, again, that? it depends on the show time. It take maybe an hour or so to tear everything down, put it in the trailer, and then based on your overnight trip into the next day, whether you determines what time you get the the bus driver up, wake him up, go get him, because you know obviously he's sleeping while you're working because he, you know, he's working while we're sleeping. So, Correct. Uh, that's all just based on logistics. You know, wherever you're going. Did Confederate Railroad have any uh, insane riders associated with their uh, contract riders associated with their clubs or venues or well, wherever I mean, they were playing? You know, I mean, the, the, the riders that I that I wrote and I sent out is like anybody's rider. You're asking, and we talked about this before the session. You know, you ask for a lot because if you don't, you'll get nothing. You'll get zero. So you're trying to get into a point of settlement with you know what you in a perfect world would like to see and then they tell you what they don't have and then you try to meet in the middle somewhere uh uh you know i had club owners what do you mean you need 120 lights you know we got nine foot ceilings and we don't have the electricity for it and i go whoa, 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 whoa. i said do you have any lights in there and one particular club owner goes yeah I go, how many you got? And he said, six. And I went, and he goes, please say you'll do the show, please, because it's up to me whether we do it or not. I go, six lights. Six I go, cans? Yeah, six cans. And I go, do they all work? He goes, yeah. <laughs> I go, well, you got one extra. There's only five in the band. <laughs> he goes, you're kidding me. And I went, no. As long as I got a spare, I can turn it. If one blows up, I'll just spin around. You can one. work your magic. And then there's a guy, that, a production guy, came up to me in the past year. Or so I was in Augusta doing an event. And he goes, "Man, I haven't seen you in a while." What I remember about seeing you is I saw you at a club somewhere, standing on a road case with a pool cue in your hand, 
beating on a light to get it to the point where you wanted, to, wanted, wanted it to go. And I go, I remember that club, you know, I stand on a road case beating a light with a pool cue. Keyed your memory. And you did this for how long with Confederate Railroad? Way too long. 20 years. Close 20 to, years. Close to 20 years. Man, that's a lot of pizzas after the show, isn't it? Because that's, that's a staple. They say they bring everybody pizza. Pizza, and, bar- pizza and barbecue. Now, you've stayed somewhat connected with them, though. But yeah, what, what we, was we the, still talk. What was the last year that you were, like, really in in with them? Gosh, it's been a long, longer than I'd like to think. It's It's been... I don't even know, because I've been out on my All own away together. from them six seven years maybe it's been a while since i've been by myself so um i know that when we played the uh, moonshine festival up there and we opened up for them and tweak was up there doing the sound and stuff they were just it's like old home day with him like he'd never left pretty much muscle memory muscle memory <laughs> I want to hear. I want you to tell Chris. You, I've heard you tell the story. I think it was we were up with uh, we were at Leon and Brenda's, and you were telling the story. You and I think it was a road manager with another band. I'm not going to mention their name. Up at Calhoun, I think he was. Uh, you told oh, me he was that get, guy. Yeah, he was manager. I'm not going to mention their name. Sorry, Brown. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it was their road manager. I think. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. What was it? He was. He was trying. Well, he was after you in, about the truck. It, well, Sawyer Brown was one of these acts. They're starting out, and they had some recognition, and you know they got their truck with their stuff in it. And here comes Mister Know It All, and that was his name, Mister Know It All. Mister Know It All in his truck, and I, the way it was configured up there, there's a creek behind the you know the stage and the loading dock. And we're like, don't go around that way. You're gonna get stuck in the creek. Ah, no, I'm not gonna get stuck in the creek. We're telling you, you're gonna get stuck in the creek. Well, he got stuck in the creek in his truck. We're all sitting there laughing, you know, in his face, really. <laughs> and uh, I told you, you're gonna get stuck in the creek. And he's all red in the face and upset and mad about it. And so I called one of the local people, got a tractor and a logging chain, and yeah. Pulled his truck out of the creek. You were a hero and got your last life in well, it all at the good. same time. Well, then years go. That's a tender-hearted guy and the kind of guy he is, Chris. Well, then years and years go by. We're out in Denver, Colorado, doing a Cobill show. I'm with Confederate Railroad, and these guys are headlining this particular show. Saw you around. And um, so they were being pretty difficult about what they would allow us to do and what they would allow us not to do and how we were the opening act and we're a liability to their performance. And he's just going on and on and on. And this gentleman is fairly short. He's not a very tall person, let me put it that way. So he goes, come with me. Yes, sir. So I go march up on his bus and I sit. He goes, sit down. Okay. So I sit down and I slouch down so he's still... If I just sat there, I'd be as tall as he was. But, yeah. So I slouched down so he could talk to me. He's yelling at me, telling me all this stuff. I go, you remember back years ago, you were playing a place called Concert in the Country, Calhoun, Georgia? He goes, I kind of remember that. Remember you drove your truck into the creek? Yeah. <laughs> you know who called that tractor with the logging chain to get your genius but. truck driving? <laughs> butt out of the creek he goes no and i go that would be me he turned real nice real quick <laughs> tweak don't mess around that's well, called paying it forward that's right yeah and a lot of times it's it's not the bands that's got all these egos a lot of times it's just the production yeah, folks it's those people but don't you think then people around. become that way because of the people they got to deal with i think they're just egomaniacs and they're in fear of their job you know, just do your job. Don't be an egomaniac. That's, I see that with so many new musicians, even today. And I work with some young musician that's very, very, very talented and has a lot of, you see future in what they do. And they're great people. And you're complimenting them on their possible 
so, you know, a year from now, I might not even be able to talk to you because you're going to blow up. So, but do yourself a favor. Keep your feet on the ground. Be the same person you are. Don't change your personality just because you've taken a step up the ladder. Don't let that change you as a human being. It's a long fall. It, it's a long fall, and you will get more work by in, in the long run by just being you and doing your talent. And don't let attitude or ego or anything get in the way of your future because it'll kill you quicker than anything. Well, with that, let's take a break. And we're going to turn it over to our sponsors. You are listening to The Crossing with Chris and Cal and our buddy Tweak. Transforming the way you listen to sports. Yep, we've covered all of it, at least since 1978, 79, 80, 81, 82. Okay, you get the point. We've got it covered. The North Georgia Sports League. Go ahead, like us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Keyword search, North Georgia Sports Link. Come see us at Pete's Castle in Coal Mountain. Get yourself some hoop cheese or salty fish right out of the barrel. Or fill her up with some fresh petrol, regular and ethyl. Lance crackers are a good cold knee high. Don't forget to try your luck out on a punch board. New ones every week. Located on Highway 9 in Cold Mountain. That's Peach Castle, where the customer is the king. And we are back with the final segment of the Tweak edition of The Crossing, where the music makes the memories. I am Cold Mountain Cal, along with Brother Chris Cheatham. The good doctor, producer Steve Thomason, sitting in there turning dials and making smiles, and him and Tweak have talked continuously this whole night off the air chris i've heard more numbers and dx32s and my AD, bus stories my add is working overtime they'll, they'll they get about 10 seconds into it and my mind drifts and i'm and i don't know where they where what they're talking about that could and be any night that could be I, any I, night I, any person tweak for at least when his mind starts <laughs> drifting it really drifts. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> so tweak. What you really don't know, is Steve and I don't know what we're talking about either. We're just fooling. Oh, you're just making good jabber. Yeah, oh well, good hey, you know, Sounds you're good. doing a great job. Good. Um, tweak. How did you get the the name Tweak? Where did that originate from? Just being an audio guy, basically, and part of it was. Um, well, I, I really know that's that's just it. I, I tweak the sound, I fix the sound, uh, I adjust the sound. And it's stuck. It's stuck. Sometimes it don't you... take but one person to say one nickname and it sticks the rest of your life. I got a few names that have stuck to me at my house. Uh, that's a, there's two kind of podcasts, and this ain't <laughs> one of them. <laughs> We're going to do a counseling cast. An intervention podcast. Yeah. Can I come to that one? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, because yeah. we just kind of graced over the fact that the wife got you moved up here. And we never really talked about. It, it was an upsetting move. It really was. <laughs> she just dropped you off and left you. Well, it was a modified cow pasture <laughs> with houses in it. With chicken houses all around it. I mean, I was, we came up from Holcomb Ridge Road. I mean, there was Tony's Bar across the street and the Red Lobster in the front yard. I mean, yeah, yeah, closest here place to the eat. Cows. Well, yeah, the closest place to eat when I moved up here was the McDonald's in downtown Coming. It was upsetting to me. Mm, I that was about 1974, that. wasn't it? No. No. <laughs> they were open in 74 because I played football back that year, and we had our uh, end-of-the-year banquet there. But I digress. In 74? Mm -hmm. They were open in 74. The original one in coming was. What about the Dairy Queen? Oh, we, we covered, covered that. that. Yeah. <laughs> we covered that. A couple of shows ago. It was yeah. late, what, 68, six, 69? Yeah. 70. Them same women working in there? They Probably. were one of, they were one of, <laughs> Probably so. they were one of three restaurants in Forsyth County, right? Yeah, somewhere around in there. I think that's one what of, he said. In the city limits there. That's another show, though. So, you come off the road with the railroad after a storied, tenured career, and you start kind of freelancing, I guess you might want to say, yeah, kind of so what you're doing now? Just kind of called some people that I knew and said, hey, I need work. 
you know, people thought I retired, but that was a nice way of saying I quit the band. Right. And uh, without saying I quit, bye, see you. Wasn't ugly, but anyway, uh, you just got tired of being on the road. Or yeah, just got that's tired kind of, of my game plan. You know, I uh, got a little PA of my own. I figured I could do local events and sleep in my bed at the end of the long day because in this industry, every day is a long day that you work. And that was my game plan. And then a lot of people didn't realize that I was serious that I would go do shows or jobs or whatever you want to call it with for other people or with other people and different folks with production companies going, well, uh, can you go to, what well, first calls I go is, can you go to Miami? I'm like, Dave, you know what my plan was to stay home. Miami's a long way from home. All right, send me a plane ticket. <laughs> so, What's it pay? Yeah, you know, it was corporate shows, a big corporate meeting and, um, uh, I was responsible for Lionel Richie at that show. Speaking of corporate and Lionel Richie, you were telling me you're about to go to Augusta and do something with uh, him yeah, for the I'll Masters. Do, do a little work with him at the Masters mm-hmm. this year um, with Lionel Richie mm-hmm. and the Mercedes folks, Chris. Mm-hmm. That's how he's progressed. Lionel Richie's back on top right now because mm-hmm. he's doing American Idol and everybody's and relearning all, and, who and Lionel all, Richie and is. All of his people know that. <laughs> <laughs> And they will tell you. And they're telling me that. And I've got a phone call with those people tomorrow. I mean, my girls my girls watch American Idol, and, and they have no idea who that dude is on the left. I'm like, oh, that is Lionel Richie, man. Well, and he's Lionel Richie. I mean, he can demand a lot and get a lot. But you know what? What? They say it's not all about the money. It's about the money. Right. I mean, one day he's pl- he's doing the Lionel Richie show, and the next day he's here doing a podcast, a podcast with us for free. Or is it good old days <laughs> running sound for us? That no, I retired from good old days. He's too. retired from good old days, which <laughs> most people finally wind up and do that. But yeah, I'm just saying, from from, you run the range; it doesn't matter. You can go have 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 PA will travel, as they say. Yeah, but it's you know I'm, it's usually just me and my either I'm engineering or I'm project managing because I do promoter rep work too and stage management work for different uh, people who put on these shows. I know what you are. You're a consultant. That's where the money's uh, at. I'm just tweak. <laughs> uh, that's all I am. First time I met him, one of the first times I ever met him, went down to see some friends of ours. I am not going to get into all that, but his little bar down here at. Uh, I guess it was Robin Hood at the time. Mm-hmm. So I walk in, and they're playing, and I follow the little uh, snake line up to the bar. Dude's got his 18, soundboard 18 channel. sitting on the bar. Got a gin and tonic. I don't know what it was, vodka tonic or something. No. What was it? Miller Lite. <laughs> okay, Miller Lite. <laughs> and a shot of tequila. That's what, I knew there was a glass involved. So he's sitting there mixing the band, going at it, and I look, and it's a, there's a sign taped to the front that said tweaks zone which obviously meant you better not get in it i'm like who is this old curmudgeon grumpy <laughs> snow white and the seven dwarfs dude up there looks like he's mad at the world little did i know that we would fall in with him and dude's got a heart of gold he's just just a grumpy old he's man. just a grumpy old man <laughs> <laughs> which leads me to Something that is near and dear to your heart, evidently, because I see you doing it all the time. You have the uh, charity event that you do each, what, December, I guess, down in Florida? First weekend of December in Tampa. It's for a uh, a children's home care facility called the Angelus. And these are mentally and physically disabled people uh, that need 24-7 care. Right. And... This last year was my 23rd, I think, 23rd, 24th year of doing it. And I got involved with it through Confederate Railroad. Charlie Daniels is the it's titled after him. He was the big deal. He's very passionate about that. So work with him every year on that. Um, but like I said, it's... You know, you go do this thing once and see what you're doing it for. See the spark in these people's, you know, they bring them to the concert night, 
put them in the front row, and they're just rocking out to the music and loving it. And you see that inner human being that, you know, it's just, you, you got to see it to, to believe it and believe in it. And it's that's a reminder some, to tell you what it's all about. Yeah, and a lot of Keep people don't get it. And, you know, people ask me how much I get paid to go do this event. And I go, more than you can ever imagine. And they go, more than your day rate? And I go, oh, gosh, way more than my day rate. They go, well, how much? And I go, more karma than you'll ever get. It's not in monetary. Your, in your life. It has nothing to do with with money. It's it's karma. Uh, and, again, it's it, something like that. A lot of people can't get to it because they can't, you know, the, that vibe freaks them out, you know, seeing people like that or whatnot. But, again, once you do it, uh, oh, you can tell you're so. Pa- I mean, you're talking about it constantly. It's not just in December, right before you go no, down. It's, it's, you talk about it all the time. Yeah, it's 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 well worth the effort to do it. And when I left Confederate Railroad, I you know I called the event and said, well, I guess I won't be back, so I'm not working with Danny anymore. And they go, uh-uh, you're gonna come work. We'll put you to work. And now I'm totally in charge of all the production, all the band stuff for three venues and. Uh, I'm happy to do it. It's hard work, but I'm it's happy to do it. It's just a blessing. It get is. a blessing out of it. Yeah, you ever get anybody that tries to get you pulled back on the road? <laughs> I had a Garth Brooks tribute act want me to go out with him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what I told him. <laughs> I, talk, I was talking to the guy on the phone. I go, are you Garth? And he goes, yeah. I went, oh, okay. <laughs> Friends in low places. <laughs> I think I'll stay in Versailles. <laughs> well, well, what kind of bus well, you got? Did, What's they, it going to pay? They, they, <laughs> well, since they opened the McDonald's down the street from my house, I got a good place to eat. You know? <laughs> You're good to I go. I need to go do Garth Brooks shows. <laughs> Garth Brooks tribute shows. I got McDonald's down the street. I'm good. One quick, uh, let's we'll we'll wrap up here. And we were talking about the uh, Confederate Railroad days and some of the old stories. And you always like to tell us, remind us recollect back when and i guess when you you were playing with or the railroad was playing when you come in locally back to the hometown area those were always the worst shows to do i guess people just everybody wants in everybody wants backstage and just inundating you with all kinds of requests but the world the Lanierland show was crazy that night wasn't it uh, yeah <laughs> so we were talking earlier about my mom in the front row yeah. and uh, a fan decided that during Trashy Women that they would get trashy, get a little trashy, which that's God's country up there. You don't know, don't do that. And um, because I had, you know, a lot of time in with the owners of the facility, I got drug into the office and called on the carpet real quick. Crawled <laughs> on the sawdust. Yeah. And it wasn't a very happy conversation. They They were about to all have coronaries. And I assured them it wouldn't happen again at the second show. You were just back there asleep on the board. <laughs> no, I wasn't napping at the time. But how could you control something like that? Well, you from can't. A, but somebody I mean, had to get the blame. Yeah. What's the, what, what's it came the, down on me. I was the guy in charge. Yeah, but what did a woman do? Pull her, pull pull her top her, up? Pull, pull okay. Her All right. Exposed herself to a degree. What do you do? If I was a spotlight guy like you, I'd put the spotlight on her. <laughs> He obviously wasn't working that night, or there would have been a lot worse situation than what it was. Yeah, I mean, one yeah. of you two should have done it. I mean, yeah. Had we known. I think Marshall Tucker was with him yeah, that night. Yeah, yeah it was, and there was a couple, there's a big couple biker groups came up. It was, yeah, it was pretty interesting. It was really pretty tame, but it was, it was, it had the makings of being something really special. <laughs> <laughs> but we kept it under control. Junior, Between me, you, and Tweak, we all kept it under Junior control. Junior didn't know, know what to do about parking, but that's all right. Oh, yeah. The parking, Junior. Mm, that's a whole nother story. That's our Lanier. We're going to bring you in for the Lanierland story when we get everybody together. Okay. Tweak, would you say that running sound and, and doing all that's gotten easier? As far as the equipment, I mean, the equipment's no, actually, getting smaller and lighter. Well, it? It, that really has nothing to do with it. it the technology today, um, Steve and I were joking about a particular mixing board that a gentleman I'm working with coming up in the next couple of weeks has no clue what it is to what is today. I mean, you're basically running a computer. Yeah. 
and uh, and none of these mixing boards, manufacturer to manufacturer to manufacturer, have the same brain. They, they don't function the same. They're similar, but not the same. So for in order for me to stay out there and do what I do best, which is physically mixing a band to get to the point where I've got a knob or a lever I can turn to turn something up or turn something down to put it in simple terms it's a huge learning curve to to get all that put together and um, again in the old analog days all the boards functioned basically the same one was a cheap one one's an expensive one but they all basically operated the same today it's kind of like the difference between a PC and a Mac. I mean, but it's amazing whenever, whenever you did that wedding that we were all at when it was a whitewash. I mean, it was just raining and everything. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you had your iPad out mm-hmm. doing the mix on the mm-hmm. pad. Mm-hmm. You know, with the new boards back in the old days, if something squeaked or squawked, it's called feedback. And in your mind and your knowledge, you'd go to a lever that was specific to that squealy point feedback point and turn it down so it doesn't do that anymore today's mixing boards there's what's called a spectrum analyzer and when that happens you're looking at a little screen and it could, it puts a little spike on that screen and tells you what that frequency is so there's no guesswork in it sure you still have to compensate for it at some level but it's telling you what it is and you're not making an educated shot at oh it's this frequency or that frequency or this frequency so yeah it's it's a whole different ball of wax ball of wax and in order for a guy that's been doing as long as i do i've got great knowledge of again mixing composition making things sound good Uh, but lots of times i have to rely on some of these younger people that are just tech so savvy. Tech savvy. They might not be able to mix worth a darn to produce the band to make them sound good, but they can make it all work for you. So yeah, then yeah. you have the tool to do it. Yeah. Uh, it, it. And back in the early days of digital boards, I was constantly going, make so and so, so and so happen. I can't figure it out. And the guy would just go, bloop. And it's like nothing to him. And I go, okay, great. And then I can go back to what I'm doing. <laughs> I thought when he, he was talking about dealing with fat, uh, bad feedback, he was talking about our old band feedback. Yeah, talk about charitable work. Yeah. <laughs> and memories. <laughs> and memories. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah. Folks, uh, we hope you've enjoyed tonight's show with Tweak. Hope you've learned a little bit about the road, how to mix a band, how to comfort a band, how to counsel a band. Get the best sound you can and stay humble. How not to put your truck in the creek. How not to put your truck in the creek. And if you do, who to call? Tweak. That's right. Call Tweak. T W E A K <laughs> dot com. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming by, sir. We really do appreciate it. All yeah, kidding thank aside. You, tweak. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we appreciate it. We really do. If you need Tweak for uh, weddings, bar mitzvahs, Garth Brook tribute bands, anything. He loves weddings. Get in touch with me or Chris. We can hook you up with him. Yep. Well, no, because he told me today after I called him, he's taking me out of his contacts. And it's <laughs> we don't know my number, so he I He said every call time him. I call him, it's for a wedding or something. He you, did do my daughter's you know, wedding, though. We'd had fun. You know what vault my casket lives in at the funeral. And <laughs> <laughs> what room in what room you're requesting to be in. I know right, it all. Exactly. <laughs> so, folks, this is uh, Cole Mountain Cal from my brother Chris Cheatham over here. Tweak. The Good Doctor producing everything, Steve Thomason. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll catch you again on the next episode. Tell everybody. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, AOL, Messenger, whatever you got. We'll be back again for another fine episode of The Crossing, where the music meets the memories. Good Doctor, take us to the house. The Crossing, where music meets memories, is recorded at Due South Productions, high atop the Doc Holcomb Building in downtown Cole Mountain, and is recorded and mixed by Steve Thomason and hosted by Chris Cheatham and Cole Mountain Cal Hurd. Theme music written, performed, and recorded by Wendell Cox. The Crossing is a production of Roadhog Studios and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Due South Productions or at least a text message from Cal or Chris. That'll do too. All rights reserved. All right, we'll catch you next time on The Crossing.